0: That's really helpful the way you said it. And tell me if this analogy is wrong, but I just pictured like a train, right? And it's attached and this is happening so fast. So the the block, right? Mm -hmm. So it has all this information inside the block. That transaction happens. It's proof, like it's proved from all these other computers. Yep. So you would essentially have to go to the start of this train in this analogy and change everything preceding that one. Welcome everyone to the Lifestyle Engineer podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chouinard. And today I'm pumped to have Ernest Wider on my podcast. He is a certified financial planner and senior wealth advisor at, I forgot to ask, what the exact name of your
1: location? Uh, Well, we're we're, uh, Wider Wealth Partners, but we uh, work with Canaccord uh, or CG Wealth Management, yeah. I'm glad I they asked because that, that would painted, have been a lie. They've changed the name, so it's like I'm still getting used to it. We had to go through a rebrand for some reason. So I okay. think it was just because they must have bought a business card company or something and they needed a bunch of new cards and a bunch of oh, new Okay. Joking. But uh, yeah, it, uh, um, small changes. I think that's the marketing thing where they don't make major changes. They make subtle changes that some people didn't, don't realize at first then all of a sudden everything's changed and they're like wait a minute how did this how did this evolve right or you can go the facebook way where you absolutely just change everything one day from facebook to meta right, <laughs> yes. right? yeah so i mean i
0: guess if you have a big enough corporation you can make some pretty drastic changes because you're not going to lose people when you do that well you might lose a few
1: well and i i mean like in our business usually um when they recruit someone, you you sign long-term deals. So like when I came over here, it's like there's a few different end dates, but it's basically a 10-year deal. So, you know, once they have you, they have you. Right, right. So then
0: if you could give like a elevator pitch or two-minute summary of how do you help people and why do you enjoy doing it?
1: Well, I think, you know, like in, in our business, there's all different, it's the. It's actually one of the neat things about our business is, um, each advisor really they they run their practice however they choose. I have a practice where, um, predominantly, we manage safe money, meaning just sort of uh, conservative type portfolios. But what we try and do to try and you know bump up returns, or give sort of, I would say, more diversification is. We have a bit of a hybrid where we'll add in different um, assets and asset classes into the portfolio. Uh, so, so we, you know, we're we're in Calgary, so we have a pretty good feel on uh, the energy space. So, some of the you know excess returns that we try and shoot for come from energy names. Sometimes they're right. private energy names. So we're one of the few teams in town that deal in private or gray market trading as well on those names. Um, And then, you know, a year ago, it's not a very popular topic right now, but um, I think I was the only one at the firm that had their um, blockchain professional designation. So I went through the process of taking that course and it was taught to me by um, my instructor was an ethical hacker. Ethical and hacker.
0: Ethical.
1: That's quite hacker. the name. Uh, so it's an it's an actual course. And um, so anyways, in that course I had to write my own blockchain. I had to set up miners and a token. And and it's it was it was a great general conversation and education on on what is crypto, what is the blockchain, how how do they sort of meet? And because I kind of um they use the term off the matrix, I got red pilled on NFTs and crypto. So I really wanted to learn because I felt like a lot of people in my industry have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to that, that um, topic. And a lot of it's based out of fear, because blockchain really could be a massive disruptor to the finance industry. So Rather than it's the old buffalo thing. Rather than running away from it, I r- ran into it and try and figure it out. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, and that develops
0: trust too, right? When you're, when someone asks you about something like this, like you're willing to yeah. find out, and instead of saying, yeah. "Well, this is a this is a nothing type of thing," or whatever else, that builds trust. And I know from our conversations, and I'm excited to dive deeper into the blockchain and NFTs as well. But it's beneficial yeah. to know someone who is in your position is
1: investigating these things as well. Yeah, I think it's important. Like I have a couple of associates on my team and, and I talk to them all the time about finding sectors that they can sort of sink their teeth into where they have a passion for. and um, And so, I mean, those are always when I find... You know, really interesting stories that typically, you know, if if it's if you're drawn to it, especially if there's a lot of eyes on that area, I find that you can make some really profitable trades in that area. Um, but it's it's timing based, and if you stay too long, it's kind of it's like a buffet you know you stay too long it's not good for you but uh <laughs> when you get there initially you can top up but if you stay a little too long then it's definitely not good for you right and right. usually not good for the returns if you stay too long in some gotcha aquarium. like and pot was like that like yeah. pot was definitely like that where there yeah. was lots of money to be made um but it, it you know just the way that it rolled out you know sometimes you have to Take your guidance from, you know, headwinds like political environment, the macroeconomic environment. I don't know if you've ever heard the term never fight the Fed. Okay. Um, But that was the biggest lesson from last year for people. I mean, the Fed was cranking up interest rates and people stayed with their tech investments and the NASDAQ was down 33%. And um, so when you look at stuff like that that's that, that's like really good rule is not to fight the fed if they're raising rates they're raising rates find things to invest in that move in lockstep or benefit from in, increasing interest rate environment
0: right so how does that that rule apply to let's say blockchain crypto nfts because it's not
1: good not good. it's been the biggest bear market over the past year right uh, millions or not millions trillions have been lost i think in market value but to me the 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 growth curve on that is is very reminiscent of the internet bubble from 2000 where you could kind of do anything and you would get capital um in the nft or crypto space last year you could do anything and then it stopped and right. and then now we're kind of going through a process of how do you measure it? How do you measure if it's profitable? How do you, it, how do you measure this as an investment? And I think the people who are building right now are going to be the future. And the people who are there just to make a quick buck, they're either gone or they're well on their way to being gone. Right. Right. Because they're not bringing value. They're not creating value. Um, there's just certain projects that... um and it's usually the blue chip projects that are going to stick around and they will evolve and they will MA their way through this. And, mm. and, um, at the end of the day, there will be something there. I, I just don't think the blockchain technology's, um, gonna disappear. I know Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett sidekick, he would like to see crypto abolished in in the U S like China's done. Um, and i understand that sentiment cuz he probably hasn't done a lot of um he hasn't spent i don't think he spent a lot of time looking at it and i just view crypto very differently like crypto is a utility on a blockchain i think the value is the blockchain like for you to interact on a blockchain you you typically use that native token whether it's bitcoin or ethereum or right polkadot or whatever so in saying that you should outlaw cryptocurrency you're kind of saying well let's get rid of this really great technology that will create massive efficiencies and redundancies and Mm -hmm. and i mean it's it's also people talking their own book what i mean by that is you know blockchains and crypto are definitely on the the opposite side of ledger as some of these investments like bankers don't want it right they don't want it right so like
0: you mentioned utility and i wrote that down too at the conversation we've had there sounds and my mind was blown when you're talking about there's a lot of utility
1: potentially could be a lot of utility in this right and yeah go ahead yeah i think so I, i so just from my personal experience um You know, I think Bored Apes were the first one to do this. And a good friend of mine, you know, hates the space, but she always refers to it as, uh, how's your boat monkey doing? And I don't actually have one even, but she loves throwing that out there as sarcasm, right? Yeah. So Bored Ape Yacht Club was sort of born as an NFT, but really a social club. And if you didn't own the NFT, you kind of couldn't get into the social club. Um kind of a year later, you've had celebrities um buy their own board apes. You have basketball players that put them on their shoes. And what it does, because you have IP rights to that image, um, you receive royalties every time that image is used. So there's basketball players put them on the shoes. Well, Nike has to pay them every time they recreate that shoe with that board ape on there. Yeah, that blew my mind. Seth Green actually made a movie with his board apes in it and his wallet got hacked and the hacker took his board apes so the the movie's been shelved because he actually doesn't have ip rights to those monkeys anymore the hacker does right. so a movie was made yeah so it's it's fascinating i mean um there's so many things that make this space great but there's also i mean the issue is mass adoption and i don't think we're any closer to mass adoption because it's not something your mother could transact in and until they get to that place and until they you know resolve the hacking issues um, i don't see that they'll get to a place where mass adoption is but i know just i was at at a conference in new york and Disney was in there kicking around. Sony was in there kicking around. There's a tremendous amount of interest in the digital collectible space. And I think that um, if that's the end goal, then there's definitely something to it. There's going to be so many different iterations between here and there. Um, I mean, my first introduction to NFTs, the first thing I bought, i it was a scam so that's oh really that's how, yeah i lost four grand like <laughs> gone and um but it was interesting because it drew some people would be like okay i'm done right, right? so what that made me do is get key as quick as possible so i joined and just at that time there was something called the proof collective starting and the proof collective was essentially a group of artists collectors um, creators and there was only a 1,000 of these NFTs um, made. So I bought one of them on day one. And essentially, um, you have access to this Discord, and then everyone talks about different projects they're working on. And sometimes they drop projects directly to you, so you receive NFTs that, that I mean, it's been a very valuable, I mean, it's right. peak. That proof membership. I think last May it was worth I think I put eight grand in and it was worth four hundred and seventy thousand US at one point. That's quite the rate of return. Yeah. It's not and I think now it's worth I think the last one traded around fifty thousand US. So right. I'm still up, but I'm but I mean, you know, and for me it's the community that I'm a part of. So that's the utility. Right. So so I mean for people who, who have businesses that membership is driven from, I think there is there is a level of utility to it. Um, where, um, you know, if let's say you have a, uh, in your case a, a, a gym facility, you could, in theory, turn all your uh, memberships into NFTs, and then. The secondary market for all your memberships would be sitting on the blockchain. And okay. so anytime someone wants to buy a membership to your gym, they would go to a website like OpenSea or uh, what's a, there's, there's a few NFT exchanges. And they would just buy it on the secondary market. And every time one of these changes hands, you would receive a royalty. Right. So That's that would super be interesting. Yeah. So so what it does is it actually gives your members equity in your business, if you think about it, but your business becomes a client financed entity. So if you think about it, I don't have a business and um I create an NFT around whatever business I'm in. If you have a thousand people that buy it and they all put in five grand each. There is your 500 grand seed capital for your business. Right. And every time one of those NFTs changes hands, you receive a royalty each time. And depending on what goes on with the business, then you continue on from there. But it's a great, it's to me, NFTs are, mm-hmm. um, they really are a client funded enterprise with right. zero equity. You but, could like create community. You could
0: create, yeah, you create masterminds for entrepreneurs, investors around it too, right? Like create a group hmm.
1: and say, this is your NFT. Um, and then and when you want to leave, group. you have equity, right? right. And that's, that's why I find it very interesting. I mean, um, so th- there's lots of them that I've they've purchased that really haven't gone anywhere. I bought one called scab shop and Scab Shop was basically the top 50 tattoo artists in the U.S. Okay. They would go on the Discord and they would post tattoos that they, it like, as an NFT. And yeah. if you bought that NFT, you got to go to that tattoo artist who's and the NFT value e- included each tattoo. So okay. It, the, you're basically buying a completed tattoo by a very well-known tattoo artist. With right? a, the, the tattoo you uploaded or whatever tattoo you wanted? Whatever, the NFT. They made each different tattoo and NFT. Okay, yeah. And they were one of one sort of designs and away you went. There's another one that it was a whiskey club essentially. Yeah. And uh, that one's still going. So periodically I got invited to these parties. Now they're you know sometimes they're at conferences or whatever but I mean that's another example of that um what happened is that it just sort of evolved into my thing more became like the art side or the generative art side oh. of it where um the artists actually they can do it different ways but in, in this scenario like the one that's behind me that's called a a chromy squiggle the one that's sort of yeah, Maybe. I was
0: going to I was going to ask you if I monetize this you get royalties off this podcast, yeah, see, right? Yeah, there
1: you go. No. So I actually sold this one. So when I bought it, this is I received this digital frame with it in it and it's signed by the artist on the back. Um so Chromie Squiggles are one of the the sort of highly sought NFTs mm-hmm. and there's um all different types of it. There's basically ten thousand of them made, and I think, I think the floor on them is seventeen ether. So whatever ether's at today, like sixteen hundred ETH. Yeah. You know, so that's super of cool. Thirty I grand. Was ask thing. you about that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So.
0: so, I'm sure I'll have listeners from some who know what the blockchain is, some who don't know what the blockchain is. You mentioned Ledger at the start, right? Like, mm. so. And my ignorance on this too. Like a ledger is, you're keeping track of the so, money, correct?
1: Yeah. So all a blockchain is is uh, uh, a series of data points that are, and and each block has a certain amount of data or code code into it, right? And they're typically transactions. Okay. So let's say you and I, we we do a transaction, let's say we buy an NFT and it's on block, whatever, 900,001, right? So what's going on the whole time more? So what happens is you'll have validators. So other computers on that network will be validating that transaction. So you and I have a transaction, there's two people, and then call it 12 other people observe that transaction, okay? So that's where the trust is created, right? And
0: when you say observe, what does that look like?
1: It's just um, computers on the network because they're, they're, you know, I think the big thing is understanding that a blockchain is a distributed network. So all the computers on that network have all the same information at the same time. Right. No one owns the information. Okay, it's distributed. So it looks like a giant web where what we're used to is a central server if you go to facebook it's not a distributed network it's a central network where all the computers interface with one server but right. that server owns all of your information right or a distributed network all the computers have all the information okay yeah. so what happens is as more blocks of data go along basically essentially in order to Change that transaction in any way, you would have to revert all the previous or the the transactions that follow it. Which here is where the cryptography comes in. It's that's what creates a security, and right. it becomes a, an immutable transaction. So, so I mean that's the value of a blockchain. So I mean at the end of the day, there's if you think of any application where you need to have interactions and have an auditable um, have an audible trail of what the transaction was, or a ledger of it. Well, there you have it. It's, it's right there. Like I can go on to what's called, cause I typically use Ethereum. That's where most NFTs, um, transact. And, and I can go on there and I can see every transaction I've ever taken, taken a part of. And you can see all the confirmations of all the, all the network members that have validated that that yes, this person sold that and to this this account and then everyone validates it,
0: so. That's really helpful the way you said it and tell me if this analogy is wrong, but I just pictured like a train, right? Yep. And it's attached and this is happening so fast. So the, the block, right? Mm-hmm. So it has all this information inside the block. That transaction
1: happens, it's proof, like it's proved from all these other computers. Yep, it's validated and then, by the other the network members, right? Okay, and then another and one is attached each on the front. One, in, each one, in each one, it just keeps going, right? So
0: you would essentially have to go to the start of this train, in this analogy, and change everything
1: preceding yeah. that one. Yeah. That, yes. So, and that did happen. Um, it's called a hard fork. Okay. And, and what a hard fork is, is when they go back, and they change the direction. They they end the blockchain and they kind of move on from there. And then they eliminate all the... And the reason why the, there was a, a hard... I'd have to go back in my notes, but the hard fork was done essentially because some uh, wallet got hacked. And there was hundreds of millions of dollars in it. So they did a hard fork around it. Okay. And so it never happened. I know it's a little bit mind-blowing, but yeah. That so like the
0: the taking of the hundreds of millions of dollars never happened?
1: Yeah, it happened, but then it
0: didn't happen. So that when you say yeah, they, who is they? Who created this hard fork?
1: Uh, The Ethereum group. Right. Uh, I can't remember the exact term for them, but okay. um, it was all I, I would have to. I, I'm sounding really, I dumb guess, but no, no, uh,
0: I guess it would make sense because it's it's not centralized, but there's still someone who created the blockchain, correct?
1: Yeah. I mean, the coders, you know, they built it, right? Right. right. Vitalik, right? Vitalik, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: there's yeah. proof of work and something stake, correct?
1: Proof of stake. Yeah, so they just recently
0: switched, correct?
1: Yeah, from proof of work to proof of stake. So, proof of work were, was basically all these miners, right, where they had these supercomputers chewing up all sorts of power. Um, so basically, what what mining is is you have these computers, and basically, this is sort of the birth of Bitcoin. Was it was a, uh, an advanced Uh, problem to be solved and they would have these computers and the idea was each time you won one of these competitions you would receive a certain amount of bitcoins okay and that's what miners do and so miners build stability into the blockchain by doing these computations and winning these rewards and then you're rewarded with the local currency of the blockchain which in that case is Bitcoin.
0: Computations meaning,
1: it's just a it's a it's a math problem essentially, and okay. the computer that solves it the fastest receives the reward.
0: And like so, the computation needs to happen for the blockchain to
1: continue. Yeah, it, those miners provide stability to the blockchain because the it continues to build blocks, right? This is helpful. Like this has been a three or four year process to get my brain around.
0: Tom, one of the coaches at <laughs> my gym, he's really into. Um, the crypto space and he's explained to me i don't know if you watch the office at all uh i in small small bits michael scott he's like explain this to me like i'm a fifth grader please
1: (laughs) yeah i mean if you think about it uh I, i think facebook is the best analogy yeah so it's and this is like the the web3 community which is typically the blockchain community have an allergic reaction to the web two community, which is um, the Facebooks and the Googles where they had, you know, they had right to all your information, right? There was no shared information where web three is very much a, a global Lego set where you can build something, but it's, it's open architecture. So other people can build on what you built, but you get You get paid for what you build, not Google or Facebook or so rather than building things on other people's servers, you can build it in this open architecture, a distributed network, and then you're rewarded for when other people think what you built is really cool and they want to continue to iterate on top of it. I think that's such a
0: cool thing. Like, There's so much potential in that. I mean, anything... Disruptive or anything good has potential to be bad, obviously. Like there's nothing that's perfect in the world. But so then what's the, because this is all digital, digital, right? So how how can this be? I mean, obviously you have that NFT behind you. um, Mm. So you can digitally see it. And the utility Mm -hmm. as an example around the community of something. But is there potential
1: to create more of like material things out of this? yeah and i think i think we're getting there like um so another nft that i collect they're called moonbirds okay and, and this is this is the proof uh, ecosystem so the proof collective was the first one and and so they they built a pfp which is pfp stands for profile picture so a lot of the nfts that's the flex is people will use their nfts on their twitter account and it's kind of like if you see a board April, well, you know that was probably an eighty thousand. That's an eighty thousand dollar NFT at least minimal, right? Right. So it's a bit of a flex on right. Twitter, right? Yeah. And so Proof built something called Moonbirds, and Moonbirds were basically 10, 000 bit birds with different traits to them. And what they did to sort of build on the proof of stake. So proof of stake is ownership where you stake it on the blockchain, okay? And then yep. you're rewarded for staking it. So okay. Ethereum, you can lend your Ethereum tokens to the blockchain, you're paid a yield for it because you're helping build, continue to build the blockchain rather than proof of work where the miners were bringing that stability in. Now there's still miners out there but the tokens that they are mined kind of come back into the blockchain and make it more um, stable and, and create less mining, right? Because you're recycling, mm. a separate, if you think about it in that way, right? Yeah, so then the
0: proof of stake is you're choosing to put something. You own, you own
1: something and then you lend it to the blockchain and you're paid to yield in more Ethereum as a reward for that. And a lot of people weren't happy with this switch, correct? Or well, there's a group. Oh, like I think this. they were because the cost went down. Okay. Um it, it's more um environmentally friendly because there's less of carbon footprint on it because it's you again you're essentially recycling. Right. So I mean, it's I I prefer it like it's way cheaper to do transactions. It was a small fortune every time you want to do a transaction on on the ethereum blockchain okay so then
0: yeah i guess that people who are mining at a a lot of ethereum would probably not like it for a moment of time
1: yeah and i think that's part of it they're trying to you know find a way like the the compensation for the miners has progressively gone down further and further because there is also times where Let's say you were receiving 25 Bitcoins for solving a problem, then it was cut, but then it gets halved. So you are getting 12 and a half. And that's part of, I think the best thing for most people to read is just the white paper on Bitcoin. It's nine pages. It's very technical, but it also, that's Satoshi Nakamoto. That's That's the birth of the blockchain. Right. Yeah.
0: This is fascinating. I, you know I
1: mean... You know, I did all this this course over a year ago, so you know you have to forgive me if I'm my detail isn't exactly a thousand percent. But i well, think I'm sure this is so I, like the, the gist of it's pretty pretty dialed in. I'm sure that because
0: it's not centralized and um, it's probably bringing a lot of creative people into the space, like the crypto space, the blockchain space, right? So it's very exponentially changing so quickly.
1: Last spring, it was crazy. The people who were quitting from high end jobs at Apple, Google, and they were moving to New York and being a part of the Web three um, sort of boom mm-hmm. that was going on, right? And um, I think that look, th- this has been a setback for sure, uh-huh. right? This like this bear market, especially on the technology side. But like I said, the well capitalized projects are are creating right now. And um, and it's that's why I do compare it to the internet bubbles because it, it really is a situation where um it's kind of like the Phoenix out of the fire. Sometimes yeah. you gotta burn it down and rebuild it, yeah, right? You really do. And I think um there's unrealistic expectations in that market. And people just were just used to buying an NFT and then selling it for, getting it for a hundred bucks and selling it for twenty thousand the next day. But there was a lot of that that went on, making it a and, lot of young millionaires. Yeah, and it also like people who were in late or didn't know what they were doing. It, you know, you know it's, uh, I mean someone ends up holding the bag if it's a right. bad project right so right. there's lots of stuff that's happened there's lots of stuff i watch and i'm just like you know it's it's disappointing to me to see some of the behavior so
0: yeah i guess that goes with anything though right like there's bad companies started there's bad projects started outside of the nft space too like in being a financial advisor too i'm we've chatted about gamestop a little bit couple weeks ago right like there's so many different things that can happen
1: that was amazing yeah i i i find it interesting like um like there's nothing here's the thing about this job is um the landscape that you operate in changes every day and it does it the market moves every day so what did we have today like apple reporting amazon reporting like all you know we're in earnings season now so you know all of those names good or bad will have they will act in a different way the next day right right based on the data that's provided right so in, in this business that's you know you're sort of you're working in that environment where you know it's moving constantly it's a very dynamic environment and um and you have to be able to adapt and react uh, in a prudent way on a daily basis. and you know, yeah, I um my crystal ball's been broken for about twelve years, I think so
0: <laughs> i yeah, uh, you know that I like I'm always interested to see how people where they thrive and work, and if you could say, "Hey, this person would be perfect for this
1: type of career, who would that person be? I don't know, like it it takes someone who's pretty resilient like you have to like this is the type of job you have to have a passion for it and um like in I'm client facing so um it really it's truly a relationship business and then the market is really secondary to it um i think i think someone who is inquisitive you know they would probably um thrive in this business because things change so much and you have to have that childlike inquisitive mind to to know how things work and and sometimes it's just impossible to know how everything works intimately but i right. think um i think you know there's definitely a learning curve that's attached to it so so there's like tracking.
0: Being able to see macro and microcy- micro cycles, right? And
1: understanding. So do you Yeah, I think that you... gives you the direction of the wind. Right. If you if you think of sort of your investment thesis or portfolio as a sailboat, it it sort of the macro economic guidance that you you get through different from different data points lets you know where to set your sales, right? Yeah. And if you're setting them in the wrong place um, and the winds change on you, then there needs to be course correction. So I think the most important lesson I learned in this business is not to have an ego. You can't have an ego about a thesis that you have because, you know, there's so many variables that can change the direction of, of, the outcome that you were seeking. Right.
0: Well, because yeah. you're not if if like we're talking about investing in like a small business, like you're investing in an entrepreneur in one business. You you know mm-hmm. the person. Um, you can interact with that person, but I mean, in trading, you just there's so many people involved and in so many different aspects and mindsets that it's probably hard to account for every single thing.
1: Well, and I think that, like, I mean, I've helped just in the last 15 months. I've helped, I think, three different entrepreneurs out of a potential train wreck because they didn't consider the macroeconomics of where things are. I mean, you can, you just can't write personal guarantees and borrow insane amounts of capital, and rates are racing against you. Right. I mean, it that creates a huge headwind for your business. You better be successful. And and you know, if if rates go from zero to seven percent on the capital that you were borrowing, right? Right. That that directly hits the balance sheet. Like there's no I mean, if you were hoping to make call it twenty percent margin you you just lost 40% of your 20%. So now true. you're really lean, right? And yeah. with and then you start pounding inflation in there, inflation in labor costs and inflation of in materials. Like it it it's a tough space and this is what happens is this is why the economy slows down, right? So in my view, you should be investing in things that um that move at a minimum in lockstep with um inflation right i i like doing or investing in areas where their their input to the inflation number is significant like energy like i mean inflation was going up but if energy was one of the major causes to it that's a place you probably you know, it makes sense to have capital, right? Yeah. Whereas you have a business like technology that is capital dependent and interest rates are going up. Your cost of capital is going up. Right. It puts the headwind on the business. So when you compare those two businesses um and one is literally a staple, you know, there's, there's, go to any large center and see how many people are moving around i mm. mean that's fueled by energy i mean right people want to stay warm they want to move around they want to they want to make money they don't want to be poor and you know what a, 70 to 80% of the world economy is third world so right. so they actually you know, I've, I know this has been out there a lot, but they actually don't care where their power... Like, they don't care. They want to be warm. They don't care if they're burning tires in their living room or right. if it's natural gas or or windmills. It doesn't matter. They just want to be warm. Yeah. And it needs to be cost-effective, so... Yeah. So then, I don't know if you... you
0: Fusion, I mean, obviously, that's been a, a topic lately. Do you have any insight or
1: thoughts on that? Well, I think... I think there's a lot of roads that, like, rather than having one solution for that, i.e., fossil fuels, mm-hmm. um, I do think um, I think it's important to diversify, right. right? in any In any any investment, you need to diversify. You know how things are, what you're trying to accomplish, you need to do it from a few different sources not being dependent on one source we there's been zero investment in this area right infusion infusion in in any anything aside from fossil fuels there's been zero investment like honestly there's some but it's let's be honest it's zero right? right so i think that it's definitely a road like we have to figure out something else but. It's kind of like a bridge. If, if you're trying to get across the canyon, you don't try and cross the canyon until the bridge is built. Right. 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 So on one side, we're kind of like fossil fuels. And on the other side, you're sort of green and renewable or more uh, friendly to our planet. We haven't built it yet. Right. So you just can't stop doing one thing and still expect to cross the gap when you haven't finished building the bridge. It just, right. it's a lunacy to me. So right? do you think a lot of that comes from like, I mean, there's so many different things that
0: go into this, but like it's a hopeful of a pressure, hey, let's get rid of this and this will help us just create something, build a bridge as we're running <laughs> across yeah. it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you've helped me with this and like so i'll give you an analogy for this yeah so i want to lose weight yeah is the best way to do it just stop eating no i mean that's not sustainable that's what we're doing right right <laughs> yeah that's tough, <laughs> tough. Then, so you, you know what same outcome right right
0: is like it, it'll go
1: good for a while
0: and they will crash and yeah. burn. And then it's you're going to repeat the process. Yeah. And, and even in your example, that is one person, right? Like, let's say, like, I'm trying to lose weight and I just stop eating. That's going to affect me. But we're dealing with a global thing. So the ripple effect of all this and opinions and it, it's tough,
1: right? That's to just, agree on something. And I don't have all the, like, I do not have all the answers. But when I look at this, this, especially this, um, I, you know, as you know, I have a podcast and I called this two years ago on the last episode of our podcast and it's energy security. And I mean, at the end of the day, this is basic. This is, you want to be warm. You want to be able to move around. You want to be able to be able to earn a living Mm -hmm. and you have to feed yourself right probably food and warmth are the two two ones that you can't live without right right everything else is and and i mean i think decisions that have been made have sort of really attacked those areas well jordan
0: peterson have you he was talking about this he said something along the lines of rod yeah (laughs) yeah said something about getting like helping so when people are have no food and like they're struggling in these third world countries they're not really concerned about the planet because they're concerned about their their economy like their family eating right so that's where he says like you have to help elevate those people so that as a byproduct, there is more collaboration
1: on better energy sources. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I would say I'm kind of central. Like I, I mean, Chris Rock always said, no one's one or the other of anything, right? right. some things I'm liberal about, there's some things I'm conservative about. Um, I think that, I think we have to be a little bit more realistic about um our reality and yes i think that human race is having an impact on the planet that should not come as a surprise to anyone right and i think the behavior has been and i think in the western world people are afforded the opportunity to have an opinion more than some other parts of the world and I just don't think it makes a tremendous amount of se- sense for a smaller portion of the population to to be changing when the, the actual part that is a the major problem, you know, call it uh, Asia and Latin America. Um, and if they're not going to change, then it's you know, we're two to ten percent of the problem, right? right? If you don't have 80% of the planet not doing that, I, I, I applaud you for changing, but I don't think it has a material impact, right? So I think that's what needs to be focused on, right? And ideally, we need to get the companies that have been fueling the planet for years and decades to invest in finding a new way to do it, looking at it in different terms. But at the same time, you don't just stop doing what is keeping everyone alive. Yeah. Right? And that's energy security. I mean, in the UK, like in gas equivalent at one point was $300 a barrel. Think about that. I mean, in Alberta, it's, you know, $2.30, two thirty, two 2 dollars or $70 a barrel, right, equivalent. Right. So, I mean, that's the difference right? We have this huge resource. And, um, you know, but I'm grateful for the politicians in in North America, because they've actually created this energy crisis. So that's really good for investments. Right? Sad, but it's true. I mean, right. they've created scarcity. Right? It's any like, Free economics. That's <laughs> free economics one oh one. Right. You know, it's unintended consequences. Took a yeah, while, I, but showed up eventually,
0: right? And I think that's something that like this is called a lifestyle engineer podcast is you can't make a decision in a vacuum and not expect it to affect other things, right? Like when you make a decision in one area, call it financial or call it, it's gonna affect financial energy, whatever else, it's going to have a ripple effect into many different aspects.
1: Yeah. And I I mean, at the end of the day, um, so I think it was, it had to be uh, about nine years ago, I read this book called The Clean Disruption. Okay. And I was really taken up with it. And so we started investing in this clean energy ETF. And we were, like, crushing it. It was awesome. And then Donald Trump came in. And Donald Trump becomes president, and he tariffed the crap out of solar panels out of China. Mm. And there goes the clean energy. Like, that's policy, right? right? There you have it, right there. It's, you know, everyone has and it's up to an election and and these policies change so much. And I do think that's why, you know, there should be rock solid areas where human race continues their investment for the good of the human race. And those are not policies that can be changed. I mean, pandemics is the same, like research into that area. should not be up to, the politician of the day to decide whether that research continues i right. mean the, to me that makes sense where there's right. just certain areas that they get a certain amount of investment because it it is key to the survival to our survival so i mean you know this this thing has gone on too long like right. okay if if energy companies need to pay their tab through a carbon tax, fine. Let's just do it. Let's get a reasonable calculation for it and move on. Like there's nothing to see here. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. And let's let's encourage other companies that want to find a new solution, fission, whatever. Let's let's encourage those. Let's give grants to those companies. Yeah. And that's it. Stop. That's it. We don't need to, we don't need to save any more polar bears. Like Let's right. just move on to the next, like, let's continue. Yeah. Let, let's try and get 50% of the world population is third world rather than having it 70 or 80. Let's, let's work on that where you're actually improving lives, but there's so many people talking their own side of the book. It's Well, yeah. you mentioned the example
0: of nutrition um, and weight loss. It's the same idea, right? Like that's yeah. when I coach people, whether it's professional, um, uh, or physical or any aspect of the Fit5 investing system, it's slowly moving in the right direction. You're better mm-hmm. off doing that than trying to overhaul everything at once because you're gonna break the system and there's no bridge to take that load, right? Yep. You have to build those and move in the right direction, but that that's very hard to do with the group think, right? Like the group think tank, it's, yeah. yeah. And I guess that's probably why governments wouldn't be super thrilled with a decentralized thing cuz a lot of policies
1: wouldn't be able to touch as much correct yeah yeah i mean at the end of the day you have to be able to to con- continue the human race i mean at the end of the day that's like if we're if we're destroying our planet then we got to figure out a better way an annihilation of the human race isn't the better way, right. right? And, you know, if there's, I mean, a lot of people are talking in their own books on this. Like they've positioned assets to take advantage of the green movement and, but they're not even living what they preach. So it's it's a tough one. Anyways, I didn't want to occupy the podcast on that, but I do think that that's, you know, Anytime you have disruption, there's going to be a battle. Right. And I think blockchain is one technology that's going to disrupt a lot of areas. And there's going to be these battles because there's people who just don't want to change and evolve. Right. So.
0: Well, and I'm actually glad you went there, too, because I talk about stewardship and I was talking with Lisa years ago. And I said, I feel like we're caring less about people. I do believe we should steward the planet. I'm gonna say that right now. I think we should take care of everything we've been entrusted—the planet, our families, our bodies, our businesses. We should do the absolute best we can. But as soon as you're sacrificing and you're treating people like their like their lives are worth less mm-hmm. than the planet, like that scares me. And any like oh, talk about this whole engineering thing, how everything affects everything. Like if, as an example. If I just cared about my physical body and I worked out two hours a day, seven days a week, and I didn't put time and energy into my relationship with my wife, what am I doing? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not stewarding everything I possibly can. I'm not gonna get a perfect either. But I think that's the problem is a lot of people can't even t- steward their own self. And they're trying to change the trajectory of these big things that affect a lot of people.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, I'll take the other side of that, too, that I think there's, I think that that conversation also provides camouflage for people, too, meaning accountability is a thing, right? And that's probably where I see the biggest fall down in a lot of these areas is um, accountability and, and walking the walk, right? not walking the talk and and so i do think everyone you know i think you have to treat people kindly right
0: yeah
1: um but it, you know like i i do see a lot of sort of the younger generation just very critical of where we are right now and they haven't really walked the walk and they're not willing to right on one side, they want change, but on the other side, they're not a contributor to the change. Right, right. Like the responsibility. I think that, yeah, and I think I don't know if you saw that Oxford uh, debate, where uh, the gentleman took the side of of the climate activists for, right. and it's like you don't affect change by. You know, putting splashing paint on 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 the right. Mona Lisa, right? Like, right. It's, you affect change by finding something that you think would change and and work towards that end. The finger yeah. pointing it doesn't work, right? No. Because
0: you so. can't. You in the end, you can't control other people, right? You can you can control your like you can try to control other people. You can take responsibility of your own life and start moving in the direction you want to move and empower other people to, like you said, like grants and stuff like that, and try to move it in a direction where you're enabling people's creativity and their geniuses to solve the problem and start saying, take responsibility of what you can control instead of pointing the finger because we're just going to go around and around in circles.
1: Yeah. But don't you think, like, there comes a I think being a part of solution, you have to have a thorn in your paw, okay, yeah. to get to a point. You have to be to the point where you want to make a change. Yes, right. Yep. Yep. When I came and I started with you in September, uh-huh. you know that yeah. I had like I'd gotten to the max pain amount where I knew that I needed to make a change, uh-huh. right. And a hard change. And it had to change fast. So I think that you can't force people there. No. Right? It's part of the human nature where you, you know, you learn, you know, what's the saying? You win or you learn. Mm. And, And it's like, you have to get to that point. And no one can lead you there. You just have to get there and you go, okay, I'm stuck here. I finally need to make a change. Yeah. And I wish there was a switch you could push in anyone to get them to change to what they need to do. But it's not like, hey, look, I need to redo my will. It's been sitting on my desk for two months. (laughs) What's going to motivate me to finish it? I don't don't know. know. Like, I honestly don't know. Maybe I procrastinate for anyone, but it's like, I don't know. What do I need to do? Because if I die and I don't have it done, you know, I feel bad for my kid. Yeah. And I think that's it, right? Like there's,
0: what you said there is there's two, I see there's two ways people usually commonly change Is they become very self-aware or they hit, get hit in the head with a two by four. Like something happens or like, oh, I need to change now. So I've had a lot of conversations with people who want to start the gym or in my coaching program. And there's been two that stuck out to me. And I think I told you this before too, they, we finished the conversation, they told me that their doctor said if they don't start something, they will probably have a heart attack in the next year. And I told them the price of the program and they said, I'll think about it. And that was like, what you're saying is you're okay with risking this more than you are okay with taking responsibility and spending money on your health to be here for your family, to be here. Cause what, what is it all worth in the end? If, Hey, I had more money in my pocket but I had a heart attack that year, right? Yeah. It's tough. I mean, but I've been there where it's just yeah, I shouldn't say I haven't been there. I've I've been there multiple
1: times in my life too. Well, I've been it's just easier to open a can of beer. <laughs> <laughs> Should that be the quote on the dog? That's <laughs> yeah, just easier. Come on. It
0: is. Yeah. Yeah. What is the saying? Easy choices now, hard life later, hard choices now, yeah. easy life later. But I don't know if that you'll ever reach that easy point because I don't think that's fulfilling in and of itself. There needs to
1: be yeah. some friction, some challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, human behavior is just different. It, it's, yeah. And I look at, I've been, all over the place, right? Like, I used to do Ironman. I know better, <laughs> mm. right? I used to do triathlons, and I know better than, you know, in September I was the heaviest I'd, I'd ever been, and it's just like, my God, how did I end up here, right? Well, it's like the saying about bankruptcy. How did he go bankrupt? Slowly, then all of a sudden, right? Right? <laughs> how did this happen?
0: Well, yeah, and people keep a closer <laughs> eye on their financial account than they would their physical account, their mental account, their spiritual account, their relational account, right? I can tell you they don't. Well, they don't. <laughs> I, I guess it should say, yeah, I guess it's that. That's, that's, that's that's a, that I was drop. a blanket, statement. That's hey, a blanket Mr.
1: Klein, statement. I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a problem. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, Ernest, I really appreciate your time. This has been fantastic. We went from blockchain. And this is the kind of conversation to like, right? Like taking people on our journey, blockchain, crypto, um, yeah, climate and not doing what we want to do, but knowing we need to do it.
1: (laughs) Well, sorry, I was uh, I'm a little bit uh, out of out of uh, the exact technical knowledge on the blockchain. But um, yeah, I think you got the gist of it. I think for sure. One lesson, if I, I wish that people would stop categorizing cryptocurrency without connecting it to the blockchain, because you don't need cryptocurrency if you don't have a blockchain. Mm. You don't. I mean, right? Because then it's just kind of something that's floating out there. There's no. Well, usually the reason you have it is to interact on that network, right? Right. Right. So that's right. the utility of it. There's something on the Ethereum network that I want to buy, I have to buy it in Ethereum. right. So So essentially people should learn more about the blockchain than just getting caught on the surface level cryptocurrency. I, I, I think I think I think everyone should have to do like again, these things are going to change because I, I truly believe the the space has um, a lot of, of growing to do and um i don't i see the technology is incredibly valuable and i do think there'll be an area where there's there's a lot of change um but there's you know it's a very confusing space even for me like you know at least i'm at the point now if something new comes along i can sort of dig into it and understand where it comes right. from right but i think if you have a base knowledge of how it was born and, you know, the sort of basic interactions that you can have with it, I think that's that's a great starting mm. place. It's just the problem is if you get involved in a conversation that's a little more advanced, it scares the hell out of you because you're missing a bunch of steps along the way. Uh-huh. So I think educating yourself, and I'll say this about anything, educating yourself sort of about anything that you're applying capital to, I think is important. I think ignorance is a terrible thing right well
0: that's probably what you see a lot of is people just say here's my money i don't want to learn
1: anything about it right like just do with what you will well i like you can set a clock and this is what we do see and we're seeing a lot of it right now where um so like last year i was a moron maybe a year and a bit ago so i don't know what i'm doing and it was a function of people kind of going through COVID and starting to run their own Mm. uh um online brokerage accounts and now all these assertive accounts are coming in and because the human behavior is once you're not enjoying it anymore you stop looking at it and that's a you know that's how you deal with it a lot of people won't even look at their statements when the markets are bad even if you have an advisor they don't want to look at it right right um But yeah, we're just seeing a lot of discount brokerage accounts come in and it's people were gambling and now it's just sort of a mess. So you just have to be careful. You know, if you're going to commit to it, you have to stay with it, even through bad cycles, because that's when, again, either you're winning or learning. Right. Yeah. And I think that's when you learn about and you really build your investment style through that, through loss. You never build it through winning. Never. That's one of the
0: principles. I think we can end on because think about the pandemic for myself as a gym, like I, (laughs) I did not gain financially. I almost broke us completely, but I learned a lot as a person, as a leader, um, as an entrepreneur, as an investor, as a husband. And I think if more people took that perspective, you just mentioned, they wouldn't be as tossed around by the turbulence that we're inevitably going to continue to face. Like we can't, we can't protect ourselves from everything, um, but you can learn to mitigate what happens.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's COVID was a definitely a refinement exercise for yeah. all of us, right? For sure. And I feel bad for the ones who hid and and just shut down their lives for two years. Yeah, because there was a great growth opportunity. It really right. was a personal yeah. growth.
0: Yeah. Right. And that's what you, you usually see out of things like that. There's people that come out stronger and we're not even just talking financially or anything like that, like just a stronger people, right? Because they decided that you can do one of two things. You could just settle back and be the victim in it, or you can grow from it. Might as well glean something from it. If you're going to go through hard times. Hey, man, I grew like,
1: I grew like into a beach ball. <laughs> 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 the wrong kind of growth
0: so. so if people want to find you and or where can they find you? you can your podcast um they want to work with you anything like that
1: um they can honestly they can just uh our website is widerwealthpartners.ca.com i think we have .xyz they didn't want us to use that because they thought older people would uh be scared of the dot XYZ is a very web three thing. Along with oh, websites are dot XYZ or dot IO. Okay. Um so I, I locked that one down. So yeah, you can uh track us down there. Sure. I'm you know I'm all over the place on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. So I'm I'm kicking around. Awesome. I'm always gonna be found.
0: Always be found.
1: There's food around. You'll find me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I'm excited to come visit you one day soon.
1: Okay, looking forward to it, my friend. Thanks, Ernest.